Welcome to Bytes and Bandwidth, U.S. Telecom's new podcast. I am Robert Mayer, Senior Vice President of Cybersecurity Innovation at U.S. Telecom. Today, we kick off our inaugural podcast episode to discuss the national supply chain landscape and why building collaboration with the public-private partnership is so important to our national security goals. My guests today are Jeanette McMillan, Assistant Director of Supply Chain and Cyber with the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, and Mona Harrington, Assistant Director for the National Risk Management Center at the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA. Thank you for joining me for this important conversation. So I'd like to begin with asking each of you, and perhaps we can start with Jeanette, to talk about your agency's role in addressing supply chain risk and your department's role in particular. Thank you so much for that, Robert, and great to uh, join you here on the inaugural podcast, Fights and Bandwidth. That's awesome. But yeah, the National Counterintelligence and Security Center, especially the supply chain and cyber directorate that I lead, is here to enhance the nation's supply chain and cybersecurity, obviously by the name. But what we do in our directorate is leverage multidisciplinary counterintelligence and security expertise that we shape, inform, guide, and coordinate integrated risk decisions and responses with our strategic federal partners. And what this does for us specifically is we are able to lead the DNI's statutory supply chain and counterintelligence risk management task force. I know that's a mouthful, but Congress gave us this homework and established the task force back in 2020. And this was established to share supply chain risk, CI risk and cybersecurity risk information with the federal acquisition community of the United States. So we think that that's one of the best ways for us to look at risk from a whole of nation perspective and get the best risk information out there for folks that are practicing supply chain risk management. Hey, thank you. Nora? Thanks, Robert. Good to be here with you today. You've already introduced me, so let me just get into what CISA does, also known as the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency. So we play a crucial role in addressing supply chain risk by providing guidance and support to organizations. CISA assists in assessing and mitigating risks associated with a number of risk areas and you know, the use of information and communications technology products and services within supply chains. And that includes promoting secure and resilient practices, offering incident response assistance, and collaborating with critical infrastructure sectors to enhance supply chain security. And CISA's proactive efforts are essential for protecting critical systems and data from supply chain-related threats. The National Risk Management Center, more specifically, provides critical analytical support to CISA's mission to understand, manage, and reduce risk to the cyber and physical infrastructure Americans rely on every day. And our work enables CISA and other critical infrastructure partners to apply actionable analysis to the decisions and investments that they make to manage risk. And ICT supply chain security, of course, is one of CISA's top priorities, a priority that is achieved largely through the collective effort of the ICT supply chain management task force, for which, of course, I serve as a co-chair along with you and John Miller. Very good. Let me go again with Mona, and I'm going to ask you, from your perch, what do you see as the key risks and the priorities currently facing our supply chain ecosystem? Yeah, that's a great question, Robert. No shortage of risks. I'll just mention a few. 
Artificial intelligence technologies can become integral to many aspects of information and communication technology supply chains. However, they also introduce specific supply chain risk areas that organizations need to address, APTs, supply chain attacks, IoT, insider threats, nation state actors, ransomware and extortion, cloud services and virtualization. I think broadly, those are some good buckets when thinking through what those risk areas are that we face in our supply chain. Excellent. And Jeanette, from your perch? Oh, yeah. No, that's a great laundry list, uh, Mona. My goodness. I, I can't imagine all the things that we are having to tackle. But from NCSC's perspective, back in 2021, we took a look at how all of those threat vectors are really coming together and what technology specifically we see our foreign adversaries really going after. And that was where we were like, if these are these specific technologies that we lose our technological advantage in, what will that do to both our economic security as well as our national security? And Mona hit the first one right off the head, which was with the win for artificial intelligence and making sure that those technologies are securely developed, as well as our bioeconomy autonomous vehicles and systems to include EVs, quantum technologies, and of course, semiconductors. Definitely one of those technologies that we are desperately trying to make sure we keep our technological advantage for. And when those technologies are there, they present unique opportunities as well as challenges where the stakes are potentially greatest, again, for economic and national security. And one of the unique challenges is managing the threats and risks to the very complex supply chains that support each one of those critical and emerging technologies, and one of which is certainly the cybersecurity supply chain. So at the core of managing supply chain risk is probably nothing more important than information sharing. So Jeanette, let me start with you by asking, how is information about supply chain risk communicated within the government, and in particular, ODNI's kind of role in coordinating input from the intelligence community but as well as other government and private sector stakeholders? Yeah, no, Robert, great, great question. And you're absolutely right. The information sharing is absolutely the key to making sure we can um, maintain our security, but also resilience. How do we operate through when a cyber attack is occurring? And more importantly, being able to prevent one and having that information sharing mechanism in place is critical. One of the things we did in the intelligence community, obviously, is always took a look at what was coming in through our supply chain, especially how we purchase and procure things for the intelligence security mission. So supply chain risk management was mandated almost a decade ago, in fact, even in over a decade ago, um, under Intelligence Community Directive 731. And that required all IC elements to take a look at their own supply chain risk, the information that they received from that, but also to share among the IC elements that critical information that they need to advance their procurement, their acquisition security, and have better supply chain security coming into the intelligence community. Because of that kind of history and because of that practice and expertise, the state of the practice from a scrim perspective, the IC was able to quickly turn to kind of get our homework done with regards to getting information out to the federal acquisition community, especially those sector risk management agencies like DHS, like CISA, who are really at the forefront of taking that information sharing and getting it out to industry stakeholders small, medium, large businesses, et cetera, especially those that are on the front lines of our critical infrastructure sectors, absolutely to include telecommunications. So 
that's why we've been able to use the DNI's task force to strengthen the information sharing relationship within the federal government. And then obviously to support and fortify the work that Mona and her team are doing to get things out to the sector risk management agencies and those industries. Great. So Mona, let's talk about some of your work. What are the strategies that you have in place to ensure the resilience of the supply chain? And also, how do you promote information sharing with your colleagues across government and with key stakeholders in industry? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. You know, the information sharing is so critical. We have quite a bit of interagency collaboration at CISA, both within the Department of Homeland Security, but of course, across the entire federal government to share information. We also have established extensive public-private partnerships, including initiatives like the ICT Sprint Task Force that fosters that collaboration between the government and industry stakeholders to really identify and prioritize and mitigate ICT supply chain risks collectively. We've got sector coordinating councils within CISA that are composed of private sector representatives. We also have government coordinating councils where we engage with the GCCs, government-led bodies that include representation from federal agencies, and in some cases, SLTT. We have our JCDC, Joint Cyber Defense Collaborative, where we actively participate in that, along with federal and state and in private sector and other partners for collective defenses and response capabilities. We also do quite a bit of information sharing and leverage secure channels and platforms to share our information. We work with ODNI quite a bit, as Jeanette mentioned. And, you know, these mechanisms are incredibly important for that collaboration, but also for CISA's commitment to that multifaceted and coordinated approach to supply chain risk management and really just working together with the government and the industry partners through these channels to enhance that security and resilience of critical infrastructure. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that one of the initial topics that the task force tackled when it was stood up in 2018 was the examination of the legal and financial and process barriers to supply chain risk information sharing. So that was a really important project that they took on to identify what those challenges might be and to work to address them. Right. And I appreciate you mentioning that. I think we still have work in that area, but it may require legislative efforts around uh, sharing information that could subject someone to liability on their existing causes of action. But there was some excellent work done there. Thank you. I'm going to move to the topic du jour, which is artificial intelligence, and in particular, how it works potentially in the area of supply chain risk. So let me Jeanette, ask you your thoughts on how AI might be leveraged to identify and mitigate supply chain risks. And maybe you can talk about some of the discussions that you had regarding bringing that issue of AI into your supply chain thinking at ODNI. Yeah, absolutely. I just hope that no one tries to use AI to mimic my voice. I think that would be pretty bad. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, AI is going to be absolutely expanding the world in good ways as well as in bad. And so one of the things that we wanted to take a look at was how is that data and those large data language models and everything else, how are those actually being leveraged and utilized in great ways, right, to assist some of the scrim practices that we use especially when you're talking about looking at secure software supply chains 
reviewing those software vulnerabilities, making sure that you could manage cybersecurity alerts. I think some CISOs go through a million, you know, alerts within a certain time frame. How do we use AI to better leverage that technology and those tools to make sure that those alerts that really need the CISO's attention or that network defender's attention and that the other alerts can just go into the noise and maybe not necessarily take away their attention that's needed for protecting the network. Also, using AI to enforce the procurement prohibition. Section 889, one of those lovely legislative procurement provisions, speaking of legislation, this has been one of the challenges with trying to understand exactly where those prohibited companies are within our supply chain, especially when you're adding in the each company's subsidiaries and affiliates. And then finally, obviously, protecting IP, data, and our networks, and, and some of our critical records and everything with regards to how AI can make sure that those things are, are protected. But when we're, we're looking at the leveraging those systems and those tools, there's also that flip side with regards to what risks are we inherit, inherently introducing into our data sets because some of the AI models may not be as exactly as secure as we would like them to be. So some of the um, examples that we have in terms of supply chain risk management strategies is understanding, A, what the design is in a fundamental way and how that is different than the traditional computer programming that other models might be on. AI and machine learning are quite different in this way. Number two is also the data. Absolutely bad data in, bad data out. That component has to be pristine when you're talking about leveraging it for a supply chain system. And then finally, outsourcing. What sort of outsourcing will happen with regards to utilizing AI tools and bringing those into your supply chain risk management program. So not wanting to scare anyone off of AI, we, we definitely see some of the benefits, but it really will take some policy development as well as some tooling and securing those tools before we can really count on AI to help with regards to our supply chain risk management requirements. Thank you, Jeanette. So, Mona, I know that there are folks within CISA that are looking at AI. I know we've had conversations about how we might incorporate AI and supply chain in some of our future work in the task force. But generally speaking for CISA, how are you folks thinking about managing the risks associated with AI and also perhaps even thinking about the opportunities where AI can be helpful in terms of defending and protecting our supply chain? Sure. Thanks, Robert. So, I'd say in the last decade, AI has seen significant growth, potentially marking it the onset of a fourth industrial revolution. In cybersecurity, there is often an advantage on the offensive side due to the complexity of modern systems. What we don't want is for malicious actors to outpace us in harnessing AI for harmful purposes. So the National Risk Management Center uses risk management tools to identify and mitigate AI-related risks. We conduct trend analysis and foresight planning to foresee potential risks. And as AI evolves, its impact on our mission varies, necessitating integrated efforts. The security issues in AI often extend existing cybersecurity challenges. So we integrate AI efforts into existing programs where feasible, and we're open to developing novel risk management approaches when necessary, including research on supply chain risks related to AI. Yeah, let me probe a little bit on one aspect here, and that is in thinking about the implementation of AI supply chains, what do you think, and I'll ask you, Jeanette, to start, are some of the 
most pressing challenges with respect to incorporating AI, either from government or industry, in protecting the threat on the supply chain? Yeah, no, that's a really great question, Robert. I know there's a lot uh, smarter folks than me that are actually taking a, a look at it, but um, it is correct that, as Mona said, that we want to make sure that the uses of AI are not going to be used by threat actors with regards to trying to get after our most sensitive data. Our economic, our national security are all going to be impacted by AI systems and those sorts of things. So as we start to use AI and machine learning for the delivery of public and private services, that's exactly where adversaries may target for manipulation and or disruption. So we want to make sure that all the stakeholders understand the unique role that that data that they're using and introducing to AI systems and how this creates unique security challenges that are already inherent in some of the AI things that we're looking at. Like I said before, there's a number of efforts along the way to facilitate. Um, I know the NIST has put out some standards in developing an AI taxonomy, as well as MITRE. I believe there's also Microsoft and some others that have developed useful products to just try to make sure that we're making that right balance when looking at some of the challenges that AI presents. But at the same time, trying to make sure we can leverage those things to get after those things in supply chain risk management tools. Mona, same question to you. What do you see, and I know you alluded to some of these, as the biggest challenges we face in implementing AI solutions? Yeah, I concur with everything Jeanette said. I'll just add, AI technologies are ubiquitous in information systems and are continuing to evolve in ways that will transform society. So their evolution will have predictable and unpredictable implications on multiple aspects of the CISA mission. And that really means there, there's what we don't know we don't know, but we really need to focus and invest on research and more specifically supply chain risks and mitigations related to AI, which we're committed to do. Very, very good. Thank you for that, both of you. So I want to switch gears a little bit. You know, we all have come out of an experience with pandemic that's kind of once in a century in terms of how it has affected the supply chain and other aspects of our business and personal lives. What were the main challenges? I'm going to ask Lana to begin with you because I know the task force did some really important work in this. You know, what were the main supply chain challenges that we faced during the pandemic? And Directionally, what kinds of progress are we making regarding those findings? What, what more needs to be done? So I think during the pandemic, there were several challenges with supply chains and, and a lot that we learned. I bucket them as three main categories, shortages of critical products, lean inventory models, and complex supplier networks. And the ICT Scrim Task Force undertook these challenges and was able to identify and come up with these issues and develop guidance around this. And I think ultimately, in order to address these challenges, a couple of areas were identified. One, proactive risk classification, adopting that systemic risk classification, mapping supply chains, diversifying suppliers and the regional footprint standardized mapping tools, inventory management, logistics and transportation planning. So there are a number of challenges and lessons learned that came out of the pandemic and a lot of risk management strategies that are now going into addressing those challenges. 
And Jeanette, I'm curious in your organization, uh, maybe you can share with us a little bit about how you folks kind of observed and monitored the impact of supply chain during the pandemic and where you think we've made some advances and where we still need to think about what the lessons learned from the pandemic are. Yeah, no, no, absolutely great question. And I think from a national counterintelligence and security perspective, we obviously got to the availability issues, right? Like Mona had said, when there's such limited availability and people are just trying to get goods and services, whether or not those goods and services are actually secure, whether or not they should be placing them in their networks, and more importantly, the, it, this, the absolute explosion of dependency on the digital infrastructure that maybe was not ready for everyone to be um, on Zoom calls and things of that nature like we are now. But one of those areas that we saw was where stepping back and assessing where those goods and services were coming from, are these secure vendors? Are these vendors that are going to treat your data the way that you would treat your data? Or are they just there to supply for that specific point in time and not necessarily care about the security aspects that you might take the time to do if you had that sort of availability to you? The pandemic didn't allow us to have that at that point. So in pivoting there, we saw the attack service just explode when it comes to cyber threats and it comes to messaging and modeling those things within our digital infrastructure and how we had to rely upon, you know, that information sharing piece back to that to make sure that people understood that this particular, you know, CVE or this particular digital infrastructure was not as secure. So maybe you don't put your hospital records on that or put sensitive data or sensitive information out there. You protect that a little bit better. And I think that's definitely something that we've seen in terms of the uptick in supply chain risk management, as well as in federal systems. For the first time, we have the Secure Technology Act passed, where departments and agencies are now required to do supply chain risk management for their critical ICTS assets and for those procurements, especially when we're talking about some of the executive order initiatives that Mona has been first and foremost on with regards to cybersecurity and making sure that we're actually looking at critical software and where that critical software belongs in federal IT systems. So I think we're still learning those things, but you know, great lessons learned. Never let a, let a crisis go to waste, right? But it is one of those things where we have seen our adversaries utilizing that explosion of the attack surface to really get after our national security and our economic security. Excellent. Thank you. So speaking for industry and in particular the communication sector, I can tell you that the public-private partnership from our perspective has been enormously helpful in terms of making progress in a collaborative way, unburdened by some of the potential legacy aspects of regulation. I'm wondering if you would share with us, and I'm going to start with you, why is the public-private partnership so critical in addressing our nation's supply chain risks. Yeah, absolutely, Robert. That public-private partnership plays such a vital role in managing supply chain risk. And, you know, there are so many benefits of that public-private partnership, especially in supply chain risk management. It really takes that synergy to work through the risks that exist. It's a very complex challenge and it lacks simple solutions. And so it's really critical, you know, having that enhanced threat intelligence sharing exchange between government and industry, enabling faster threat detection and response, 
coordinated risk mitigation, collaborating, allowing that coordinated risk identification and assessment prioritization to really bolster supply chain security, regulatory alignment to ensure that best practices are promoting adaptability and innovation. The government can't do that alone. The public-private partnership is key to really also ensure that we're focused on the right things. Are we pulling the right resources and expertise? Are we optimizing resource allocation? Are we overcoming constraints and focusing on critical supply chains? And so a combination of all of those reasons is really, in my mind, the answer. It really is a complex issue and it takes strong partnerships to identify and mitigate the risk. Yeah, thank you. And I think somewhat related and an area where I think we both government and industry have an appreciation for some of the concerns when we talk about efforts to ensure that there's uh, really no duplication of activities across the government and that the activities are organized in the most efficient way. Given the broad set of agencies and their legitimate equities in this area, how can you help make sure going forward that there's significant alignment across these initiatives so that we avoid the the risk of duplicating efforts? And I'm going to ask, Mona, maybe we can start with you and then we'll go to Jeanette. You know, I think that efficient coordination and preventing duplication is really important. We really employ a systematic approach, ensuring that we have clear priorities, that we're defining those, that our efforts are very focused, that our collaboration is there, transparency, you know, that we're working with partners where we can complement each other's work and vice versa and work in forms each other versus duplication, also recognizing where the expertise lives and also what the mission is and the agency priorities. Like I said earlier, we have robust mechanisms to facilitate the exchange of insights and program updates and information sharing more broadly. And we really evaluate each other's initiatives to identify those overlaps and to improve alignment and, and more importantly, to figure out where those gaps are to ensure that we're really moving the needle prioritized and focused on the right things and just communicating often to not only avoiding the redundancy, but striving for better alignment and efficiency in addressing these shared risks. Right. Jeanette, anything to add from your perspective? Absolute ditto. <laughs> yes. Just really, really ditto, because that is exactly what we've been trying to do within the government. And I think in this space, the public-private partnership that you guys have developed is a absolute model with regards to making sure that we're covering those things that are most important to all those stakeholders, but really, really maximizing limited resources and and avoiding duplication, but also having that like feedback loop so that way we can get better and faster and stronger because it's going to happen again, right? We know that uh, the hits are just going to keep on coming, but how do we get better at sharing that information and making sure that we are building truly resilient supply chains? Great. So I have the last question. I think, you know, U.S. Telecom, in addition to having, you know, some of the largest tier one broadband providers, global internet providers, and many technology companies in our in our membership, we also, the majority are companies that can be characterized as being in small and medium business broadband providers. 
I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about how important it is that this community and this particular segment has the benefit of being aware of supply chain risks, the mitigation and best practices in this area, and what you have done to maybe direct focus on that particular community. I'm going to start, uh, Mona, with you on this one, and then we will close with today. Sure. So I'll start by saying that Director Easterly prioritized this year how important it was to assist what we've called it as a target-rich cyber support. So really actively engaging in various efforts to assist small and medium-sized businesses in enhancing their cybersecurity posture to include prioritizing tools, services, guidelines, best practices for those more susceptible sectors. And really, the ICT Supply Chain Task Force published also guidance specifically in mind for security and resilience for SMB. And, you know, we have an entire effort, a working group that focuses on developing guidance for small and medium-sized communities to assist with their establishment and conducting of supply chain risk management programs and policies. We published a resource handbook to assist small and medium-sized businesses to enhance ICT resilience. There are a number of resources on the ICT supply chain on the CISA website, but we recognize that securing small and medium-sized businesses is incredible incredibly important because they just might not have the resources that the larger IT and comms companies, entities have. And so we have focused on trying to provide and prioritize resources in that area. Excellent. And Jeanette? Yeah, we definitely agree with doing those things. And one of the things I've been very focused on is making sure that when we are out there talking to small and medium-sized businesses, that we are pointing to all of the wonderful resources that CISA and, and NRMC have put out there to make sure that they are incorporating those things into their enterprise risk management. Especially when you're a small business, you can't afford to have that particular zero day take your entire um, you know, portfolio out. And there's one of the things that we've always said with regards to FIE threats. You have to understand what that enterprise-wide security posture is inside of your company, especially when you're talking about security, cyber, IT, insider threat, legal, human resources, bringing all of those folks together to make sure that you're enhancing your security writ large. Supply chain is just one of those aspects and making sure that you're incorporating all of those things into your own business best practices will certainly make sure that not only are you more secure, but the industry and the critical infrastructure sector you represent is secure as well. Excellent. So I want to thank both of you individually and your organizations for uh, participating in our inaugural podcast. It was an excellent conversation that was rich in information, and it's very much appreciated. To the audience and others, I would ask them to please tune in next month for a conversation on robocalls and hear how U.S. Telecom's collaborative efforts with the private sector and federal and state law enforcement agencies are combating illegal robocalls. Thank you for your time, and we'll look forward to further podcasts.